Hello, ladies. My name is Kristen Hoff, and I have the great pleasure of being on the Women in the Word teaching team. I am so glad that y'all are here. Summer is actually my favorite time of the year. We get to hang out with family, get to do things like this that we wouldn't normally get to fit into our schedule. Um, and I actually like the hot weather, go figure. So I am put where I'm supposed to be. God placed me in Texas for a reason. Um, so about a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go do something I haven't got to do in a while go to a movie theater. I got to see a real live movie in person, not in my living room, on a little bitty screen. It was on the big screen, we had the recliner, and it was amazing. Um, my mother-in-law and I got to go see Downton Abbey. So if you have not gotten into the Downton Abbey series, um, I know the rest of the world and myself kind of got into it a few years ago, and I didn't even know that they were making a new movie, but I was excited and it was awesome. Um, so I know on your questions you got to answer who would you invite famous to your dinner. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit since I got to write them and let you know where I want to go for dinner. I want to be invited to dinner at Downton Abbey. <laughs> I mean... It would be fabulous, the clothes, the food, the fancy dishes, but the thing that stood out to me most about the dinners at Downton were the drama. Every dinner, something happened. There was always something thrown in there, and if it was a peaceful dinner, you can guarantee that Lady Grantham um, or Granny would throw some in there. So always a little bit of drama. In the passage that we're studying today, Jesus is invited to eat, and there is definitely drama at this meal, but there's also a beautiful picture of how graciously and mercifully loved we are by him and our Holy Father. So we can't be certain of where this event occurred. It did happen somewhere in the region of Galilee. That was where Jesus had been teaching and performing miracles at the time. So he was definitely in one of the towns around that region. Um, during Jesus' ministry, he spent his time traveling from town to town sharing the good news. This was a very common practice for a lot of teachers during his day. In fact, it was so common that people were used to, when a teacher came into town, they would invite them into their home so that they could have a meal with them and people would come and go and listen to them teach. So... When people came to these meals, there were a few that sat and ate, but there was also lots of coming and going from the others that wanted to come and hear and see what the teachers were teaching. Now, homes were not like the ones that we have today. They were most likely meals would have been served in an inner courtyard, so those who were eating would have been in the center, and there would have been places along the outside for the others to come in and sit and listen. So let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 7 and get started with the story. We're going to start in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's, house brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet weeping she wet his feet with her tears and wiped the hair wiped the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment now when the pharisee who had invited him saw this he said to himself if this man were a prophet he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner 
And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. So our passage opens with this invitation to Jesus. He was invited to eat at the home of Simon the Pharisee. So the Pharisees were some of the Jewish leaders of the time. They took great pride in their strict observation of the law, and they would look down on those who did not hold the law as strictly as they did. They tended to avoid those that were sinners so that they could build up their own righteousness and look good to the outside world. The Pharisees were also not particularly fond of Jesus. Um, At this point in Jesus' ministry, he had already butted heads with them a few times. And scripture doesn't tell us exactly why Simon invited Jesus into his home, but there are a few possibilities. Um, He could have simply just been curious about who Jesus was. He had obviously heard about him, heard of his teaching, and it could be that he just wanted to see for his own eyes who this man was and what his message was all about. He could have been doing this out of his duty. As a prominent member of his town, he could have felt like he had to invite Jesus into his home as a traveling teacher just to make himself look good, one of those works that he could build up on his own. Or Simon could have also been part of the plot that was already planning and trying to figure out what to do with Jesus. Um, If you'll look on your verse sheet at Luke chapter 6, verse 11, this is just the chapter right before us. This is when they started plotting. It says, But the Pharisees were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do with Jesus. His message did not align with theirs, and so they wanted to do whatever they could to stop it. So while Simon's motives here are unclear, um, Simon's motives for inviting Jesus to, de- Jesus to dinner, sorry, his thoughts and actions actually show how his true feelings were towards him. Now, the way we typically eat our dinner is at a meal with table and chairs. We have silverware. Um, that is not how they would have been eating this dinner. And so to put it in a little bit of perspective, um, if there was a table, it would have been low to the ground. Um, everyone who was at the table would have been reclined beside it, and they would have been leaning on their left arm, and then that meant that they were eating with their right arm. Um, they didn't have silverware either. So... It was all with their hands. Um, It's also important to note that a rabbi would not have spoken with a woman in public, and a woman would not have been invited to this dinner because he most definitely would not have had a meal with her. So that is why this uninvited guest, this sinful woman, really stands out in this story. While Jesus and the others reclined at the table, the sinful woman came seeking Jesus and was prepared to worship him. When she sees him, she immediately begins weeping uncontrollably at Jesus' feet. Um, And the way that this is worded implies that it was probably for an uncomfortable amount of time. The others at the table would have been shocked, um, a little out of their element, probably wondering what was going on. But Jesus didn't stop her, and she really didn't pay any attention to the others at the table. When I was looking at this, the question kept coming up to me, how long and how much would you have to cry to wet someone's feet? Just imagine, sorry, the emotion that could come with that. 
As his feet became wet, she took her hair and wiped his feet. Now, a woman's hair were a sign of her dignity. So for her to let her hair down and rub his feet with them was an act of humility and submission to him. As she wipes his feet, she begins kissing them over and over and over and anointing them with oil. Um, I would not have been kissing my husband's feet like this. Um, So I just think this speaks wonders to how much she really, truly loved Jesus. So while the woman is busy interacting with Jesus, worshiping him, Simon is busy in his own mind passing judgment. His own pride and his false righteousness causes him to judge both Jesus and the woman. All Simon saw was a sinner. She's described as a woman of the city, um, not worthy to touch someone else. We don't know exactly what her sin was. Um, Again, there's several possibilities. It could be that she um, just didn't follow the law as strictly as he did, and therefore he didn't think that she was up to his standards. It could have been that she um, was tainted by the sin of her husband. A woman carried her husband's name, and so that sin would have followed her as well. Um, Especially if she had married a Gentile, then that would have really been a strike against her name. Or it is also likely that she was a prostitute. Um, This is probably the most likely scenario, and the reason I say that is for the way that Simon said that she touched his feet. That word touch and the way that it's translated has a sexual connotation to it, and obviously there's nothing going on here. But in Simon's mind, if she had sin like that on her, as she touched Jesus, she was defiling him and putting that sin upon him. So whatever her sin was, it doesn't matter. What is important is the judgment that Simon passes about her and about Jesus. And what I want you to really notice is when he passes this judgment, how he does it. He does it in his thoughts. He does it in his mind. Um, And by answering Simon's thoughts, Jesus is proving to Simon that he is much, much more than just a prophet. Just a prophet would not have been able to read his mind as he thought it and then answer him in return. When Jesus does answer Simon, it is with a parable. Um, I think parables are probably Jesus' favorite thing to do, to teach others with. A parable is a short story or lesson that's told in a way um, to illustrate his point. So let's read this parable beginning in verse 41. So a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. So this parable is about a moneylender who has two debtors that both owe him large sums of money. One owes about 50 days worth of wages and the other owes about 500 days worth of wages. Um, Now in this time period, if you owed that much money to a moneylender, the moneylender could have you thrown into prison. So then their families were faced with the responsibility of paying off their debt in order to get them out of prison. 
However, they had the extra burden of lost income because you couldn't gain a wage while you were in prison, but also trying to come up with extra in order to pay off what you owed. So essentially, both of these debts, no matter their size, were impossible to pay. Thus, both the debtors, even though they owe different amounts, owe a debt that they cannot pay. In this parable, the moneylender sees their need and cancels their debt without asking anything in return. There's no strings attached, no repayment required. How many of you have ever had your bank call and say, hey, um, we happen to be looking at your mortgage right now, and I don't know who approved you for this, but wow. Um, 30 years is kind of a long time. How about we just call it even, have a great day, and you'll never hear from me again? <laughs> what would you even think? Um, I think that's the bank that I'm going to start recommending to all my friends. But it's unheard of. What this money lender did was extraordinary. So after telling Simon the parable, Jesus asks him, which would love him more? Here, the question that Simon, uh, Jesus is asking Simon also gives another hint to who he is. The word love in this question that Jesus asks is agape. So agape is the highest form of love. It's the love that God shares for his people and that we share in return for him. So this isn't a word that you would just throw out. It's a form of gratitude. So whether or not Simon notices Jesus' choice of the word love here, he does answer the question correctly, um, saying that the larger of the debtors would love him more. Both debtors would have been grateful, but the one who would have felt like they had more of a blessing obviously would have felt more loved. So even though both debts were canceled, the amount of the debt owed by the debtors affects their love towards the moneylenders. So let's continue with our story starting in verse 44. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet and her tears wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. So while Jesus is still talking to Simon, he brings in the woman and he turns to her as he starts to talk. When you invite someone into your home, the first thing I always ask is, can I get you anything? Can I get you a glass of water? Um, even back then, there would have been some very normal cultural things that Simon should have offered, and he didn't offer any of them. And this woman came in and fulfilled everything that he should have offered. Simon should have offered at least a bowl of water and a towel for Jesus to wipe his feet and wash them. If he didn't want to do it himself, he could have had a servant do it for him, um, but he didn't. As they reclined at the table, the others in the room would have noticed Jesus' feet. Um, I don't know if Simon excluded Jesus or if he just didn't wipe anybody's feet, um, but everyone would have noticed that Jesus' feet weren't dirty as they laid there beside each other and ate. Um, the woman, though, she came in and wet Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Could that have been possibly why she wept so much? If she came seeking the Lord and with such love and affection, 
she would have been extremely grieved to have seen him treated wrong. Um, or it could have just been the emotion that was there. Simon should have greeted Jesus with a kiss. Um, even today in the Middle Eastern culture, it is very common for men to greet each other with a kiss on both cheeks, and Simon didn't do either. And yet this woman comes, lays herself at his feet, and repeatedly kisses them over and over. Simon should have anointed Jesus, the teacher, with a little oil on his head, um, but he didn't. The woman, she brought in oil, expensive alabaster ointment, and anointed his feet with it. So this Pharisee who has spent his whole life doing works missed all of the things that he could have done in order to welcome Jesus. But this sinner came in and worshipped him and did them instead. And I think the saddest part of this story to me is that I'm not sure that Simon understood that he and this woman were the debtors from the parable. Look at your verse sheet at Romans 3, 23, uh, 23, sorry. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Simon, this woman, all of us have sinned. We all have a debt that we cannot pay. Whether our debt is 50 sins, 500 sins, or uncountable sins, no matter what is owed, no one can pay because the payment that we owe is death. Look at Romans 6.23 as well on your verse sheet. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is holy, and our sin makes us anything but holy. He cannot be near or close to someone who is not holy, and that is why we are separated from him. In the Old Testament, he developed the sacrificial system in order that they could try and draw close, but their sacrifices were temporary. They were not permanent. Simon would have been very, very familiar with the law, and he would have tried to keep it so dutifully However, again, it would have not been permanent. They were constantly needing to do more and more sacrifices to cover their sin. But Jesus is our merciful moneylender. What he brought to this meal was forgiveness. And he brought this for all of us, including all those there. He came so that our debt could be canceled with no repayment needed, no strings attached. Look at your verse sheet at Ephesians 1. And him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And then at Romans 5, 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by, the, by him from the wrath of God. So no longer are we facing God's wrath or the punishment of death, but instead our debt, our sin has been canceled and forgiven. Simon's pride, I think, blinded him to his sin and thus his need for forgiveness. Whereas the woman, fully aware of her sin, knew her need for forgiveness. That is why she sought Jesus out at this meal. The others at the table would have seen Simon as righteous um, and clean, and whereas they would look at this woman and see someone who was dirty and a sinner, but God saw them differently. 
Simon couldn't hide his sin from God like he did the outside world. And Jesus is fixing to tell everyone in this room exactly what he sees when he looks at this woman. So look with me here, starting in verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, talking about the sinful woman, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Only God can offer forgiveness. So everything that Jesus has just said in these last few verses tells Simon and the others at the table exactly who he is. He is not just a prophet. He could only be claiming to be deity. He is the son of God who can forgive sins. And notice um, that Jesus never diminishes this woman's sin. He never says that they're not there. He acknowledges she is a sinner. He even points out that she has many sins. But despite her sin um, and because of Jesus, she was forgiven. Now, verse 47 could be a little tricky if you read it the right way. It looks as if the woman was forgiven because she loved Jesus. Um, That is not what the rest of Scripture tells us. And so when we read a verse like this, we always want to look at what all of Scripture says. I mean, even in the verses just prior to this in the parable, the debtors had their debts canceled for no reason. They didn't have to do anything in return. So... I believe that the New Living Translation probably worded this um, a little bit better than the ESV. So let's look at that on your verse sheet. It says, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. Not because, but so. So I'm going to read that again. I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. She loved Jesus because she had received forgiveness. Jesus offers forgiveness to everyone, but we must first acknowledge um, our need to be forgiven. Simon couldn't see his brokenness and his need to be forgiven. And as I read this section right here, I kept going back to that last sentence in verse 47. It says, only someone, um, only a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. And I thought, only someone very arrogant could think that they only owe God just a little bit. Um, But then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? We actually do this all the time. Anytime we think, well, you know, at least I haven't done that sin. At least I wasn't like that. Or, you know, it wasn't really that bad. What we're doing is we're diminishing our sin just to make ourselves feel better. This woman came knowing she had sin and knew that she needed forgiveness, and thus she sought it out. Now, this is my favorite part of the story here, when Jesus turns to the woman and speaks to her for the first time. His words to her are, your sins are forgiven. The verb here implies that they already were forgiven, that they are still forgiven, and that they will continue to be forgiven. This will never change. 
She loved Jesus because of what he had already done for her, and she came to show it to him. Look at your verse sheet at John 10. It says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Nothing can take us from Jesus' hands once he has marked us as forgiven and as his. Jesus' words to this woman would have blessed her beyond measure. The world she lived in was constantly rejecting her, pushing her away, and Jesus' words of assurance and the words that he said to her here told everyone at this table that was judging her that she was, in fact, the example, the thing that they would want to strive to be. So understandably, um, at his words, your sins have been forgiven, everyone at the table immediately starts to talk. Um, They're trying to figure out, who is this man? How could he have this authority? Um, And it's my guess that the men that Simon would have invited to his dinner were probably other Pharisees. So they would have known that only God has the authority to forgive sins. And it is amidst this chaos that Jesus offers the woman one more gift. He tells her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus' words here literally mean to go into peace. So this wasn't something that she took for a moment. This was a new way of living. This was going into something new and wonderful. With her sins forgiven, the woman could have peace and no longer be burdened by the weight of her sin. This word for peace here is shalom. Um, This is not beauty pageant, I wish for world peace type of peace. This is something so, so much bigger. This is the kind of peace that you have even when the world around you is falling apart. But you're still peaceful. It sustains you, it lifts you up, and it is only possible because it's given to you by God. Look at your verse sheets with me at Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. She can now have peace with God because her sin no longer separates her from him. And because it is so important, I want to reiterate this one point. What did she do in order to earn her forgiveness? Nothing. She did absolutely nothing. She merely had faith. The woman was saved by her face and not her works. Her works were an outpouring of her love for Jesus. Look at James 2.18 on your verse sheet. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Simon would have lived his life based on his works and seeking his own glory. But this woman, through her faith and through her works that came out of that faith, glorified the Lord. Um, So what I wish, actually now, at the end of this story is for an epilogue. I want to know what happened. I feel like this is a cliffhanger. Did Simon eventually choose to accept Jesus, or was he forever burdened by his works? Did he follow him eventually, or did he stay on the same path with the rest of the Pharisees and seek and plot to try to get rid of Jesus? What about this woman? 
Did she become a disciple of Christ and follow him from town to town like the other disciples did? Or did she stay where she was and share the good news to everyone that she knew? What about these other people at the table? Did they hear Jesus' words? Did they take in all that he had to say and put it in their heart? Or did they walk away and just completely forget about this meal? I wish I knew. I don't have that answer for you. Um, But I do think it's also important to say here that forgiveness is hard. Um, I think a lot of us can struggle with forgiveness. um, And that's because forgiveness is not easy for us. When we think forgiveness, we think forgiveness between people. Um, And our relationships can get tricky and messy. um, But this forgiveness is the kind of forgiveness that is only offered to us through our holy God. So while we put weight on sin and think about how horrible certain sins are, and most of them really are that horrible, God sees people who are worthy of forgiveness. That is why he sent Jesus in the first place. He didn't want to keep us separated from him. He wanted to draw us close and have that relationship. Um, So I love the quote that is on your outline It says, the depth and passion of our personal Christianity depends on how clearly we see our personal guilt and then our complete forgiveness in Christ. First and foremost, we have to recognize ourselves as sinners. We are all broken and in need of forgiveness. And I love it when Jesus tells us these parables because with these parables, we can go back and we can look and see which one of the characters in them that we can identify with. All are offered forgiveness, every single one of us. But like Simon, there are going to be those who reject it. These are the Simons of the world. Just like Simon, these same people are not going to want to follow Jesus. They are going to refuse him and refuse to submit to him, and they will turn away from him but they will feel the weight of their sin and walk around burdened and troubled because there is no peace for them to find in a broken world. Then there are those who hear forgiveness and hear it offered and they accept it just like this woman did. It is up to us to choose to accept the forgiveness Jesus offers. Um, All we must do to accept this forgiveness is to let Jesus know We can pray and we can tell him, hey, I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness. And that's all we have to do. Nothing else. Just let him know that you need it. Even after we accept Jesus' forgiveness, we need to remember. I think sometimes as believers, um, especially if you've been a believer for a long time, you can forget the depth of your own sin and what you've been saved for. Um, That doesn't mean sit in it and just totally turn it around and think about how horrible you are. But it really means just think with gratitude at the wonderful things that Christ has already done for us. Just like this woman, we need to seek out ways to worship Jesus. When we worship him, we remind ourselves of what he has done for us and the glory that he deserves. Lastly, you need to remember to go in peace. This is the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding because it can only come from being reconciled with the Lord. All right, ladies, let me pray. 
Um, dear gracious Father, thank you for who you are and for how you love us. Thank you for sending Jesus as our sacrifice to forgive us from our sins. Lord, I just pray for all of the women here tonight. I pray that um, they would take your words to heart, that they would learn to love you for what you've given us and how you've blessed us and just for your forgiveness and the peace that you offer. Lord, I just pray um, that you will be with us all as we'll leave and that you will keep us safe and protect us and just remind us of your words as we go throughout our week this week. It's in Jesus' gracious name that I pray. Amen.